Amen. Good morning. We've been uh, in a series about freedom, and uh, let me sing another song. Uh, I mean, well, I'm about to preach. Well, I really wanted to sing another song. I mean, seriously. Today's the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad, not to us, but to your name. Okay, all right. Well, Come on, they want to sing another song. Let's sing another song, please. Well, where's the worship team at? Are they close by? Are they back in here yet? Come on, guys. Okay, all right. Let's sing not to us. on yeah okay ready wait hang on i gotta get my capo on okay okay yeah sure let's do it the banner high it's not for us it's all for you let the heavens shake it's with the sky let the people clap their hands and cry it's not for us it's all for you not to us but to your name glory not to us but to your name be the glory Don't you hate that awkward feeling of being left alone? <laughs> I hate that awkward feeling of just being alone. Like you feel like everybody's deserted you. You feel like everything is just completely a mess and you're the only one going through what you're going through. Sometimes that's exactly how the devil wants you to feel. That's exactly how the enemy wants you to feel. He wants you to feel like everybody's abandoned you. He wants you to feel like everybody's deserted you and you're the only one going through what you're going through. You're the only one dealing with problems you're dealing with. You're the only one that feels that way. You're the only one that struggles with that particular thing. He wants you to feel like you're all up here by yourself and everybody's watching you. Everybody's talking about how big of a failure you are. Everybody's talking about how terrible you are, about what you've done, and you feel isolated. You feel like you're all alone. You feel like you're trapped. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do is to contain you. This morning, I want to talk to you about the subject, the breakthrough. So if you're taking notes, write that down. The breakthrough. You see, containment is going to keep you from moving forward. So what you've got to understand is containment is going to keep you from moving forward. It's going to keep you in a place where you feel stuck, where you feel like you can't do anything. 
And so what do you do when you feel like you can't do anything? Most times, we throw our hands up in the air and we quit. We give up. We feel powerless. We feel like there's absolutely nothing that we can do. I've tried that before. I've tried church before. I've tried Jesus before. I've tried listening to those types of sermons before. I've tried doing those types of things before. I've even went to counselors. I've even went and sought after professional help, you know, because church people, they're not really professional. We go after the professionals. (laughs) We went and, and we've looked for professional help, and yet I still feel stuck. I've tried to fix my financial situation, but I still feel stuck. I'm still dealing with the same issues over and over again. I've tried dealing with my marriage issues, but I still feel like we're stuck. I've tried to deal with my addiction, but I feel stuck. How many of you know that we have a real enemy that's against us? He's called many things. He's called in the Bible uh, Satan, the devil, Beelzebub, Lucifer, the father of lies. But his main concern with you is containment. His main concern is containment because he knows that if he can make you feel isolated, alone, and contained, that he can keep you from moving forward. You see, here's the thing that we do. We begin to accept things the way they are. Mm-hmm. I said we begin to accept things the way they are, and we just try to make it. As a matter of fact, um, we get contained from our true potential And we just accept, oh, I'm making it. As a matter of fact, you can go up to anybody, maybe a a checker at Walmart or your waiter or waitress today after you leave here and you go eat somewhere. Maybe you say, hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm making it. Has anybody ever said that? Have you ever said that? Oh, I'm making it. I'm making it. In other words, things aren't really going that great. But I'm okay. I've accepted the way things are. I've just kind of hit the coast button in life and just hope that nothing gets too awfully exciting or too awfully wrong or terrible in my life. And so I'm, I'm making it. I'm doing okay. I'm all right. I, I, I guess everything's going fine. I've seen better days. These are the types of things we say whenever people ask us, how are we doing? You see, we've accepted this mentality of containment. We've accepted this mentality of good enough is really good enough, of I'm just making it. I just don't want anything else to go wrong in my life. I'm going to try to manage what little bit I have. And what we're being, uh, what's being done there when we accept that is that we're allowing our potential somebody to be contained, who we really are. <clears throat> because you may not see What God sees in you. I said you may not see what God sees in you. Simply because you're too busy trying to make it. Because you feel all alone. Because you feel isolated. Because the devil wants you to feel that way. Turn in your Bibles to the book of John and the 8th chapter. John 8 and verse 31. I I want you to pay attention to this here. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. That's a mouthful right there. We'll get back to that in a minute. 
and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants, and we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? You see, they're saying our lineage, we've, we've never really been slaves because we're, we're Abraham's descendants, and Abraham was a friend of God, and we're related to him. How can you say that we're going to be made free? That, that doesn't make sense to us, Jesus. Now, I want you to catch something here. Jesus pointed out four things that I want you to write down. Jesus said to those Jews who did what? <clears throat> believed him. In other words, he's not just up there trying to convince them of something. They, they already believed him. So the first thing is that we've got to believe him. <clears throat> we've got to trust him. We've got to believe that what he says is true. Now, if I were to take a poll in this place and say, how many of you here today believe that what Jesus says is true? I don't know that I would get one person that would say, no, I don't believe it. But yet, we say one thing, but we live another. You see, we say we believe it, but do we really act like we believe it? Because if we acted like we believed it, then we would not allow ourselves to fall into the trap of feeling isolated and alone and abandoned because Jesus said, in his word, that he would never leave us or forsake us. You see, we say we believe it, but do we really believe it? You see, Jesus was talking to people who believed him. He wasn't trying to convince them. So they believed. That's the first thing. The second thing he told them to do was, he said, if, somebody say if, you abide in my word. Okay? He said, if you abide in my word. So the second thing I want you to write down is abide in the word. You see, we've got to believe in him. And then he said, you've got to abide in my word. Because believing just isn't enough. You've actually got to do something with your belief. You've got to abide. You've got to walk in it. You've got to partake in my word. Okay, he said, so if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples. Indeed, write down the word disciples for number three. You see, they believed they abide, and the result is that you're my disciples. In other words, this is the qualification for being my disciple. You've got to believe, and you've got to abide. You've got to believe, and you've got to abide if you want to be my disciple, because that word disciple means disciplined learner, someone who is learning, someone who is following, someone who is imitating the one they're following. You see, that's what a disciple really is. So he said, you've got to believe, you've got to abide, and then you're going to be my disciples. And then the fourth thing is that you shall know the truth. You see, uh, a lot of times we like to do these little dot, dot, dot scriptures where we only like to take a certain part because we don't want to explain the other half. And we go dot, 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 and we only say half of it. You know what I'm talking about? Because it makes a real cute saying. We go dot, dot, dot. In other words, we're not going to say the rest of it. We'll just say this one part. A lot of times that's what we like to do. Just like the, the, uh, the part where uh, the Bible says in the book of James to submit yourselves then to God. And then resist the devil and he will flee. That's what the Bible says. We like to say dot, 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 resist the devil and he will flee. We don't like to say submit yourselves therefore unto God because we miss that part. And I believe we miss a lot here with saying you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. And we miss this other part. We miss this part about believing and abiding and being a disciplined learner. We, we miss that somewhere in there we just say you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free dot 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 <laughs> that's what we say we miss the ha the first part of it we just like the freedom part we like to sing it oh freedom reigns in this place oh yes we love to sing it 
But what about these other things that are a part of then? He says, and you shall know the truth. In other words, after these things, this is how you're going to be prepared, positioned to know the truth. And then that truth that you know is going to make you free. The way you position yourself is you have to believe in me. And then you have to abide in my word to be my disciple, one who is imitating, following me. And then once you have gotten the fact of trusting me, of abiding in my word, that through your discipling, through your following me, you're going to learn the truth. And the more truth you learn, the more you abide, the more you follow, the more you imitate, the more you believe, then guess what? That truth is going to in turn make you free. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. And he says, and that truth is going to make you free. You see, for you to have a true breakthrough, I mean a real breakthrough, where you break through the junk, where you really get set free from your past, where you really get set free from your emotional torment, where you get set free from that bondage, for you to walk in real freedom, to separate yourself from the hurt, from the disappointment, from the bitterness, from the anger, from the fear, from the worry, from the doubt, for you to separate yourself from that and have a real breakthrough, you must walk in real freedom. You've got to believe this. You've got to understand this because this is the thing you've got to grab a hold of. I want everybody listening up. Listen up. God wants you to be blessed and free. Oh, let me say it slow so I can say it some more. I said, God wants you blessed and free. A lot of people have a hang-up right there. Because the way they live their lives, they don't believe God wants them blessed, and they don't believe God wants them free. That's the first hurdle you've got to get over. You've got to get over this whole, not my will be done, God, but your will be done. His will is that you're blessed and free. okay we're we're on i said it's his will that you're blessed and free you see god wants you blessed and free and you've got to get that you've got to get that god wants your marriage blessed that god wants you free from the addiction that he wants you free from the struggle that he wants you free from the fear you've got to get that it's all throughout his word that he wants you free. You see, Jesus said that you're going to know the Son, and the Son, he's going to make you free. He said, you're going to know me. You're going to know my truth, and I'm going to make you free. And he who the Son sets free, what did he say? In the 36th verse, he's free indeed. He said, he is free indeed. That means God wants me blessed and free. A lot of people will say that. They'll put a bumper sticker on their car that says, too blessed to be stressed. And they'll, they'll forward you pictures of little kitty cats saying, hey, you know, God loves you. Isn't this a cute picture? And all this kind of stuff. And it's wonderful. But do we believe it? I mean, do we really act like it? Or are we just forwarding cute emails and putting bumper stickers on our car? We say these things all the time as Christians. But do we really live our lives and walk in that degree of freedom because if you're walking in freedom doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect doesn't mean everything's going to be going great in your life doesn't mean that uh, everything's just going to automatically fall into place 
If you're walking in freedom, it simply means that you're walking, trusting God, and walking in peace and trust in Him. That's really it. That's really all freedom is. You may be going through a huge storm and you can still be walking in freedom, somebody. I said you could be going through a huge battle, a huge storm right now, and be walking in complete and total freedom. Why? Because you're walking hand in hand with God, trusting Him, abiding in His Word, and you're already free, and I'm not going to let that junk allow me to be isolated. I'm not going to be contained by the storm. I'm going to keep walking through the storm. I'm going to keep walking through the junk. Why? Because I'm free. Because I understand that if I trust in God, that he's going to direct and guide and lead my path. You, you see, I understand that. And whenever I trust him and I abide him and I believe in him and I'm a disciple, then this containment junk, I'm not going to play. Anybody ever make you want to make, make you play something when you was a little kid that you didn't want to play or do something you didn't want to do? I had a girlfriend one time in the second grade. <laughs> I remember her name. I don't remember what she looked like, but if I could find her on Facebook, oh, I'd jack her up today. <laughs> that girl, she says, You want to be my boyfriend? I said, Yeah, sure, why not? She said, Well, if you want to be my boyfriend, you have to play chase with me. Every recess. Okay. Sounds fair enough deal. I could say I had a girlfriend, which I had never had before, and it was just exciting to say that, even though it meant absolutely nothing. Uh, I could say this girl was my girlfriend, but I had to play chase. Well, first recess we played chase, and I was like, okay, yeah, that was all right. My buddies are over there playing on the monkey bars, hanging out. Hey, Derek, come over and play with us. Yeah, playing chase. <laughs> Second recess. <clears throat> Let's play chase. Okay, let's play chase. The next day, I was dreading going to school because I knew I was going to have to play chase. I hated it. I hated this thought of knowing I was going to have to play chase. So I go out there the third day. Emily comes and taps me on the shoulder. Let's go play chase. I said, I don't want to play chase. I want to go on the monkey bars with my friends. Well, if you don't play chase with me, I'm not going to be your girlfriend. All right. And then the second recess, the second day, it was over between us. It just wasn't going to work out. I had to break off my two-day relationship with the girl simply because she was pressuring me to do something that I, I, I didn't want to do. She was putting me in this position where I, I didn't want to do this. You see, and I got bound. I got, I got chained. I got in bondage in second grade i wasn't free to do what i wanted to do i wasn't free to enjoy the rest of the playground i was in bondage because i allowed someone to pressure me and to contain me it's exactly what we do with the enemy because he's going to put that pressure on you he's going to try to contain you he's going to try to isolate you but if we abide in jesus in his word we're his disciples. We're going to know the truth. That truth is going to make us free. Amen? You see, John 10 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Dot, dot, dot. No, there's another part of that verse. Jesus said, no, but I've come that you might have life and that you may have it more 
abundantly. Amen? Now check this out. That word abundant in the Greek is the word parisos. And that word means superabundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, above the ordinary, and more than sufficient. That's the type of life that God wants you to have, more than sufficient, above ordinary. He doesn't want you to settle and go, oh, I'm just making it. I'm just barely getting along. I'm just trying to limp along through life and make it. No, he wants you to have an abundant life. But for you to do that, you're going to have to walk in freedom. Amen. You see, God wants you to have a life of abundance because he cannot stand for containment and complacency. He can't stand it. God does not deal with complacency and containment well at all. As a matter of fact, this is illustrated in the book of Revelation in the third chapter in the 15th verse. Go ahead and bring that up there, Revelation 3. There it is. He said, I know your works that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now that's pretty gross. But he doesn't like it. You see, you see, God doesn't play the halfway game. God doesn't play the I'm just making it. God doesn't play the complacency and the containment and the isolation. He doesn't play. So why are we playing the game that the enemy is luring us in to play? Why are we playing the game that he's pressuring us to play? Why are we saying, okay, I guess I'm just making it, I guess... Things are always going to be this way. You remember last week, if you were here, there are two lies that the enemy is trying to get us to buy into. And those two lies are, you will always and you will never. The enemy is trying to get you to believe that you're always going to do this. You're always going to be struggling with this. You're always going to be dealing with this. And you will never be free. You will never be able to get over it. You'll never be able to walk in real happiness. You see that couple over there? You're never going to be like that. You see those people that are doing well? You're never going to be there. You will always have this issue. That's what the devil wants you to believe. You see, but that's not how God works. He said, I'm not for this. You will always, you will never. This halfway, this complacency, I guess, oh, just, just give, me a, give me a mansion in glory land, Jesus, and I'll just try to struggle through life, and I'll just try to make it. I'll just try to hop along. I'll just try to find something to make me happy. Maybe for a little while. I'll just try to find some sort of peace. I'll try to find some kind of rest, some kind of fulfillment out of life. I just, I just, I'd rather just go on and die and get it all over with. Because we feel alone, we feel isolated, we feel contained. You see, there's three things that I believe the enemy uses in believers to keep them contained and complacent. Three things, and you need to write these down. The enemy uses ignorance, deception, and distractions to keep people contained. He uses ignorance, deception, and distraction. You see Hosea 4 and 6 says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I also reject you from being priests. For me, because you've forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. This is what he's saying here. This is just a principle that I want to show you that people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You see, it's not necessarily that we're being isolated and contained because we're bad people. Sometimes we're just ignorant. And it's true. And 
That, see that word destroyed there in Hosea 4 and 6? It's a Hebrew word called dama, and it means to cut off, to completely cease and bring to silence. That's what that word destroyed. So my people are silent. My people are complacent. My people are isolated. They're destroyed. They're silenced. For what? For a lack of knowledge. You see, the devil wants to keep you ignorant of understanding God's word. He wants to keep you ignorant of applying it because if he succeeds, he can keep you cut off from the blessings of God. You see, you will live defeated and in bondage whenever actually Jesus has already bought and paid for your freedom. You see, in the South, it's ignorant. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be ignorant. There's like five people that did that. Come on, group participation. Say, don't be ignorant. Come on, say it like get her done. You know, come on, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. You you see, a, a lot of it's just plain ignorance. It's not that we're bad. It's not that we're necessarily being punished even. You see, that, that's what religion would want to teach you is that you're being somehow punished. Somehow you have not done enough to be good enough. And because you haven't done enough to be good enough, then you've got to stay down here. You, you're not above me. You're beneath. That's what the devil would try to tell you. That's what works. Religion would try to tell you is that you're not good enough unless you do this and this and this. You see, no, we've got to understand Jesus has already bought and paid for our freedom. We're free in Christ. We're already made free. The only reason we're not walking in freedom sometimes is because we're ignorant of the truth. We have bought the lie. We've bought the lie that, well... I guess that God is mad at me. No, you're you're forgiven. He only sees Jesus. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. He sees you through the blood that washed you white as snow, that cleansed you, that redeemed you, that set you free from your past. That's how Jesus sees you. That's how God is looking at you. You see, he said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. So you see, God's not looking at you going, oh man, what, what, I just can't believe that guy. No, that, that's, that's what the enemy's trying to do, to keep you isolated, to keep you contained, to keep you bound. You know, a lot of times we don't understand simple things like I just said earlier, that God wants you blessed and free. And because we're ignorant of that truth, we'll walk bound because we're just ignorant to the truth. You see, what did he say? He said that those that abide in my word, that's where freedom is going to come from. You remember what we read earlier in John? How he said, those that abide in my word. In other words, they're learning, they're becoming disciples, they're growing, they're learning my word. And as you grow and as you learn the word of God, you're learning more and more and more and more about how free you really are from sin, how free you really are from depression, how free you really are from habits and addictions, how free you are from junk that the enemy, that the enemy wants to try to use to contain you and isolate you. The more you abide in his word, you begin to really understand that you're free. You begin to understand it. And he said, then you're going to know that truth. And when you know that truth, you're not going to be ignorant any longer. 
you're going to know the truth. And that truth that you have learned, that you have grown to understand, is going to make you free. Man, isn't that easy? Of course it's easy. But the devil wants you to make you think it's hard. He wants you to think that you've got to do something good, that you've got to give a certain amount of money, that you've got to, you, you've, you've got to be a big giver. You've got to give something huge. And then you sit back and go, okay, God, now where's my financial blessing? I can't pay my bills, and, and I did this. You owe me, God. Or I'm going to pray and fast all day long. And we sit back and go, okay, God, you owe me. Now, now where's, my, where's my breakthrough? Where's my freedom that I'm looking for? And that's exactly how we treat it. We treat it like we're sitting here doing this and God owes us something. I remember whenever I was a youth pastor, I used to fast when I first started out every Wednesday because I thought it made the services better. I did. I, I, I wouldn't eat. All I would just fast and I would pray. And, I, I, and then, when, then whenever we would have just a ho-hum regular, wasn't all that great or awesome service, I would go, Why, God, diveth I noteth fasteth enough? I was trying to be all spiritual, like God owed me or something. It wasn't a bad thing for me to fast and to pray on Wednesday before youth service, but God didn't owe me. And God may have shown up in a way I might not even recognize. Sometimes we miss God because he doesn't show up like we thought he was going to show up. He didn't do what we thought he was going to do. We've already got him figured out and how he's supposed to do everything. And when he doesn't do what we think he's supposed to do, when we think he's supposed to do it, we think we did something wrong. We can't control God. We can't contain God. God's not a God of containment. And he doesn't want you to be contained either. Amen? God doesn't want you to be isolated and contained. God can't be controlled. He can't be manipulated. But he is faithful to his word. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, he said, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. You know, a lot of this stuff is God waiting on us to do something with what he already said. You know that? That was for free. <laughs> the second thing that the enemy uses to contain you is deception. Galatians 6 and 7 says, don't be deceived. Because we're not supposed to be deceived because God is not mocked. He says, whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Whatever he invests, that's what he's going to get back. Don't be deceived here. Don't be tricked. Don't be fooled. You see, the enemy wants to use deception to contain you. He wants you to think that you're going to have to struggle with this because it's just how your family's always been. It's just something you've always had to deal with or, you know, there's really little success rate in this area or that area. So, you know, he really wants to deceive you. If he can't keep you ignorant, he wants to try to deceive you to make you think that, you know what Pastor Derek preached about this, this past Sunday. You were going to take it home. You got all excited. You were going to start to abide in the Word and read the Word. You were about to grow in it and begin to trust and believe God. You know that's not going to work, right? I mean, it might work for him or for somebody else, but he probably had a lot easier life than you had. I mean, really, he doesn't really know what you've been through. And, you know, it's not really going to work out for you. It, it might work for somebody else, but it's not going to work for you. That's what the devil does. And he tries to keep you from believing that the word is going to work for you. Let me tell you something. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons, which means if he'll do for one, he'll do for anyone. That means that if he'll forgive you, 
That means he'll forgive the person sitting next to you. That means that if he wants to use someone like Billy Graham or if he wants to use someone uh, like me as your pastor, guess what? He'll use you. I don't have a star by my name in heaven because I'm a pastor. I'm gonna, matter of fact, I'm going to be judged a little harsher because I'm teaching the Word of God. But it doesn't make me more special in the eyes of God than any one of you sitting out here today. It doesn't matter if, if I'm Mother Teresa devoting my life to the sick and the poor. I don't get viewed as any more special in the eyes of God as any one of you. You know that? You've got to understand that because the devil wants you to be deceived into thinking that this is that freedom is somehow earned, that joy is somehow earned. It's not something that you earn. It's something that you understand and then you choose to walk in. Oh, my goodness, that was good. I said it's not something that you earn. It's something that you understand and then you choose to walk in it. Love is not something that you earn. It's something that you choose. I choose to love my neighbor. I choose to love my enemies. I choose to love the unlovable. I choose. I choose to love. I choose peace. You know that? You know peace is not an emotion. It's a choice. It's a choice. I choose peace. I may not feel it, but that's called faith. I can't walk by how I feel. I got to walk by faith, trusting in what God says that he would give me the peace that passes all of my understanding that's going to guard my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. I choose to believe that and abide in that, and then I'm going to walk in it and act like it's true even when I don't feel like it's true. And then guess what? The feelings come afterwards. That's why you can't be led by feelings. We want to go feelings first, feelings first. Well, I don't feel that. I don't feel that. I don't feel that. Forget your feelings. What did the Word say? Jesus didn't say, hey, if you feel like it. <laughs> no, he said, this is how this works. You might not feel free. You might feel bound. You might feel troubled. You might feel fearful. You might feel afraid. And like it's not going to work out. But let me tell you, you've got to reassure yourself in the word of God. And you've got to begin to walk and act like it's true and trust in him that it is true. Amen? And you've got to trust in that word. You've got to trust in him. So don't buy into deception. The devil tries to contain you. The third thing is through distraction. Distraction in Webster's Dictionary is an intrusion of the mind to try to cause confusion or division of your attention. It's an intrusion. An intrusion in your mind is what a distraction is. It's intruding in your mind and it's trying to cause confusion and division of your attention. You see in Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, let's just look at that real quick. Luke 10 and verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister whose name was Mary, and she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41 says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he had to say. Martha was distracted trying to make sure everything was just right. She, and then she got mad about it. 
She got mad because she was so distracted. You know, sometimes we can get distracted and busy doing good things. We can get real distracted doing good things. We're, we're, we're distracted. We're, we think we're, we're doing something good and we're just so busy. And really, it just kept us distracted and it's really only kept us contained from moving forward. And it's really become bondage to us. And it's become something that is actually just somewhere. Why, isn't, why are more people doing this? Why are more people helping me do this? Why? Why? Mary chose the better. Why? Because she chose to sit at the feet of the Word of God. She chose to abide. She said, I understand priorities here. I understand what's important. And, I, and I'm able to not be distracted by those things. You see, we cannot mistake serving God as a replacement for us understanding and applying His Word. You see, it's, it's, it's not a replacement. A lot of times we feel like, well, you know, I don't really have a lot of time to abide in His Word or to read His Word or to understand His Word or apply it in my life. But what I do have time for, I can do this, 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 and this. And we get busy, 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 and we neglect our relationship with God. We neglect spending time with Him. And we think that somehow we've earned favor in the eyes of God just by simply being busy. And God says, no. And we wonder, why aren't we walking in freedom? God says, you're just busy. You've just become ultra busy, and you haven't been spending time at my feet. You haven't spent time at my feet. You see, no matter how busy you are, even doing good things, even if your schedule and your calendar is jam-packed with good things, it's not a replacement for spending time at the feet of Jesus. It's not. It's not. It's not a replacement. We've got to spend time in His Word because that's where we're going to be able to walk in freedom is spending time at His feet, hearing His Word, growing in His Word, understanding His Word. Isn't that what He said in John? Didn't He say that if you believe, you abide, you're my disciples, and then you're going to know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free? The truth is going to set you free. And here's the key, folks, and you need to write this one down. The key to breakthrough in any area, any area of your life, to walk in freedom is consistency. It's consistency. That's the key. To walking in freedom is consistency. John 8 and 31, he said, if you abide. If you abide, if you continue, if you're faithful, if you're consistent in my word, then you're going to be disciplined. You're going to be a disciple. You're going to be unmovable. You're going to be unshakable. You're going to be consistent. That means whenever the enemy comes in like a flood and tries to completely intimidate you, isolate you, make you feel all alone, you handle it the way God would want you to handle it. Doesn't mean everything's going to turn out great right then and there in that very moment because you made the decision to stand there may still be some storms there still may be some showers there still may, may be things falling all around you but you've made the decision to commit to be consistent and to stand you know that's exactly what god wants us to do is to stand and continue and abide in his word and be consistent in that too many times we're inconsistent because we allow the circumstance and our emotion to shape how we respond and react. We'll respond and react based on how we feel at that very moment. Ah! Oh, no! What am I going to do? 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 And that's what we say. 
What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And we get scared. And we throw our hands up in the air and we go, oh, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here and just hope God fixes it all. What has happened? We've just bought into the lie of isolation, containment, and we've just allowed ourselves to be trapped from moving forward. You know, there's been many a times that I've had to do things that I necessarily didn't want to do that weren't fun to do. I've had to go forward and move forward and do things that I never did want to move forward and go forward with. But you know how I have to handle it? I have to take a deep breath sometimes. I have to go, I have to walk into it. Sometimes I have to take a deep breath and walk into some hard conversations. Sometimes I have to take a deep breath and I have to walk into a hard situation. Sometimes I have to take a deep breath and I have to keep on walking and hold my head up and trust that God is for me and nobody is going to be against me because God is for me. I look around, I go, who, 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 who can be against me? Who can hurt me? Who can harm me if God is on my side, if God truly is for me? I just got to take a deep breath and trust in him and hold his hand and walk through it with him, hand in hand. Yes, yeah, sometimes I get scared. Yes, yeah, sometimes I get fearful, but I don't let it isolate me and contain me and keep me bound. I keep moving forward. I keep moving forward through the mess. I keep moving forward through the junk. I keep moving forward, even though I don't know how everything's going to work out. This whole thing would be a lot easier if we knew all the little details about how everything would work out, wouldn't it? But you know what? It wouldn't require us to trust him. And that's really all he wants us to do is choose him and trust him with all of our hearts, Proverbs 3 and 5, and lean not on our own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of our ways. And he is going to direct our paths. Amen? You see, when you're faithful in truth and you're consistent then the truth is always going to prevail. Always. Somebody say, the truth will always prevail. You see, here's the deal. That's why you should never buy into gossip. Because the truth will always prevail. Amen? You see, the truth is always going to prevail. That's why you shouldn't buy into lies. That's why you shouldn't buy into something that, that, that hasn't been proven out or that you don't know what's going on. Because let me tell you, the truth will always prevail. The enemy wants you to buy into the lie. The enemy wants you to buy into the fact that, oh, well, what if? Oh, God, what's going on? What if this doesn't work out? What if this happens? What if that happens? And he wants you to buy into the lie. You're second class. You're no good. You've blown it. You've messed up. You're never. You'll always. He wants you to buy into the lie. We've got to buy into his truth and trust in him, that truth that sets us free. You see, some people are bound Some people are bound because they're listening to the wrong things. And those things have stirred emotions and they're influencing your decisions. And let me tell you today, church, for you to walk in real freedom, you've got to stick with the truth of God's word. That's why if you don't know the truth, you go to the source. Amen? You go to the source. If you don't know the truth, you go to the source because the enemy wants to keep you ignorant because he wants to keep you contained. He wants to, keep, he wants to deceive you so he can keep you detained he wants to distract you so he can keep you contained you see the devil can't hold you back from walking in victory and having that breakthrough when you're consistent doing what god has you to do he can't contain you and hold you back and it's going to drive him nuts because he wants you to be contained but let me tell you this morning let's not be ignorant deceived or distracted from walking in victory and knowing the truth that truth that is making us free here's the thing we need to do guys we need to stay consistent and faithful in His Word. 
and then watch God bring a breakthrough and freedom in your life. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. Maybe you're here in this place today and you say, Pastor Derek, I've been away from Christ. I don't know him like I should. I maybe said a prayer in church one time. Maybe I raised my hand in times past, but I really didn't mean it with my heart. I really want to be free. I really want to walk in that freedom of knowing Christ, of being that new creation. Maybe you've never said that prayer before at all where you've accepted Christ into your life and you say, today I want to make that decision. I want to make that declaration. If that's you in this place, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, I just want you to lift your hand up and put it right back down. See that hand? See that hand? See that hand. Anybody else in this place today? Anybody else? Church, would you say this prayer with me this morning? Say, Jesus... I believe you died for my sin. I believe you want me free. I believe you want me blessed. I believe you want me walking in victory. And I believe that what you did on the cross by dying for me was good enough to save me and to reconnect me in right relationship with God. So I confess you as my Lord today, as a leader of my life, and I trust you. I'm going to walk with you from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer today, I want you to...